Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In 2020, events have again shone a light on inequalities across the globe, and Australia is not an exception. 20 years on from the reconciliation walks of the year 2000, this nation's journey towards a more just, equitable and reconciled identity still has a long way to go. With that in mind and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hello and welcome to Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and its region. I'm Martin Pierce. Policy Forum Pod is, of course, produced by PolicyForum.net and we are located in the nation's capital at Crawford School of Public Policy in Canberra. If you're keen to study at the Asia-Pacific's leading graduate policy school, and why wouldn't you be, now is the time to check out our degrees and short courses. From economics to security, we've got a wide range of really fantastic policy-relevant programs available for you. Check them all out at crawford.anu.edu.au forward slash study. Listeners, you will of course notice by now that I am not Arna Greta Hunter, but I would like to extend a huge thanks to Arna Greta for sitting in the hot seat over the last couple of weeks, and I really hope you enjoy those two special Human Futures episodes. I certainly did, and I I learned a lot about COVID-19, about the future of healthcare and the challenges food producers are facing. They're fantastic. So if you haven't listened to those special episodes yet, I would highly recommend you do so. Now this week I'm picking up the baton from Arna Greta to bring you a discussion about one of Australia's largest and most important neighbours. Indonesia has been hit pretty hard by the coronavirus pandemic. At the time of recording there were over 100,000 reported COVID-19 cases and nearly 5,000 deaths But with some of the lowest testing rates in the world, the true impact of the virus in Indonesia is expected to be far greater. As in the rest of the world, this health crisis is also having a devastating impact on the country's economy. The International Monetary Fund recently downgraded Indonesia's 2020 economic outlook, forecasting a 0.3% contraction. 
The Indonesian government projects that five and a half million Indonesians could lose their jobs as a result of reduced economic activity, with many of those being workers from the country's massive informal sector. And with limited access to social security or healthcare, the crisis will leave many of Indonesia's most vulnerable people on the brink. On this episode, we're going to hear from leading Indonesia experts who'll discuss the impact the crisis is having on jobs in the country. We'll hear from them on a range of labour market issues, from what the government is doing to help people who've lost their jobs, to the impact of the crisis on that informal sector. We're going to be using parts of a live recording of the event that happened at Crawford School this week. It's called Jobs and Pandemic, the Case of Indonesia. If you're interested in listening to the full recording, we recommend you go to crawford.anu.edu.au or check out our YouTube channel. You can find us as Crawford School of Public Policy on there. First up, we're going to hear from Dr. Chris Manning, who is an honorary associate professor here at Crawford School. He's going to give us a short overview of the economic and labour market situation in Indonesia and in particular take a look at the loss of work, particularly in small and medium-sized businesses and the informal sector. So let's hear from Chris now. Uh, Let me make a couple of comments about the situation of jobs in Indonesia uh, as, as I see it right now. First of all, how best might we characterise the situation? Unfortunately, there are no silver, silver bullets, such as unemployment or underemployment, to guide us uh, in the middle of uh, uh, 2020. Indonesia only undertakes a labour force survey in February, and uh, that was really before COVID had hit Indonesia. Um, and the second survey of, in the year is in August, and those results don't come out until November. Um, So at this stage, we are very much in the dark when it comes to the national picture. But it is very clear that many jobs have been lost, at least for the present. Despite some new opportunities, for example, personal protective equipment, we can be fairly certain that the net number of jobs lost is negative, at least for the current quarter. And the negative impact is almost certainly much larger if we take into account the fallen hours worked, the number of people that have been dirumakan, that have been stood down, uh, and associated loss of incomes. For example, I, I think uh, Titic, uh, Dr. Titic will present some data which suggests that manufacturing jobs have been particularly hard hit. What do we know? about uh, the situation. From media reports, we've got a fairly good idea that many large companies have laid off workers. HBSC, thousands of workers. Um, uh, Hilton, over 2,000. Gruder has offered 400 workers uh, early retirement and stood down 800. And so the list goes on. But we need to keep in mind that most people who have lost work and incomes are almost certainly from micro and small enterprises. Unique to this crisis, the effect of cutbacks on labour demand has been exacerbated by the directive that people work and study from home 
and by the regulation of social distancing, the PSBB. For example, in the case of Jogjakarta, where I reside, a myriad of informal sector workers of a range of services, food, transport and delivery, consumables, have at least temporarily put their businesses on hold. Not only has the flow of tourists dried up, but hundreds of tens of thousands of students have left Jogjakarta to study at home and will continue to do, many of them will do, continue to do so till the end of 2020. I think Joanna will provide some more detailed information about the loss of informal sector jobs that have been associated with similar regulation of places of work and study. I hope that the discussion will reveal information on trends in the job situation by region. The restrictions on mobility initially impacted especially in Jakarta and the cities in Java, affecting demand for urban services and on work and in crowded places such as traditional markets. Most of you will have seen pictures of the crowded Pasar that seem to have little hope of following the social distancing or PSBB rules. Unlike two decades ago, at the time of the Asian financial crisis, I think it's reasonable to say that people are less able to substitute formal with informal jobs this time around. But at the same time, as the concentration of effects in the large cities, the impacts of COVID have now spread by uh, industry and region. And you, we can see the the large number of uh, cases uh, in outer island provinces such as South Sumatra, South Sulawesi, uh, even uh, Papua. Um, and so we'd expect then the employment effects, uh, the effects on jobs to uh, spread also well beyond the major cities on Java. Finally, it's worth remembering that the job situation is a moving target from week to week and from uh, month to month uh, as the virus uh, unfolds across Indonesia. Regulations and economic conditions are changing both in Jakarta and in the regions. Jakarta, for example, has had two extensions of social distancing regulations in July alone. So this is very much an unfolding story. Thanks so much for that, Chris. Very interesting stuff. Now, next up, Dr. Titik Anas is a special advisor to the Indonesian Minister of Finance and a lecturer at Universitas Pajajaran. She's going to tell us a bit more about which parts of the Indonesian economy have been hit the hardest, how the government has been responding, for example, through social assistance and fiscal incentives, and how policies and their implementation could be improved. So let's hear that now. Just like what pa Chris mentioned, we are still uh, uh, struggling with COVID-19 as the number of cases still continue to increase. Although as uh, you probably attended the CSIS um, webinar launch of the uh, dash COVID-19 dashboard suggesting that uh, the, the, uh, the active case is uh, declining Although uh, in, the, uh, in the last few days, we see some increase also in the uh, active cases. 
with this um uh, the, the increase is pro, uh, is partly resulted uh, from the opening up of the economy i mean in uh, it's <clears throat> taking in place uh, um after the opening up of the uh, the economy and <clears throat> although the uh, and also the 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 more or increase in uh, testing and tracing uh, that uh, carried out by uh, the uh, government and the health sectors the the increase in uh, the number of uh, the 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 covid-19 itself affecting the economy for sure if we see or projected the economy to grow to 5.3 this year when we did a, a forecast last year we don't see it anymore we have been revising the the projection twice it is going to be difficult to um, make an accurate uh, projection uh, given that the situation is very dynamic that the covid-19 is unpredictable uh, the effect on the uh, the economy but uh, given our uh, second uh, projection the economy might grow uh, only 1% this year or if the worst come worse uh, the the economy might be contracted to a 0.4% uh, other uh, international uh, institutions also uh, make a projection on the economic growth of indonesia and the latest uh, projection is also revised downward like the adb forecasted um, minus 1% imf minus 0.3% the world bank uh, uh, projected the indonesian economy is going to be stagnated and the oecd uh, uh, from uh, minus 2.8% to uh, minus 3.9% the slowdown of the economic growth is for sure going to be affected the social welfare uh, as well we are we we projected or uh, predicted that the unemployment is going to increase and the poverty rate is going to increase for that of course the government has to undertake a policy to mitigate or to minimize the negative effect to the social uh, welfare the early shock to the economy of the COVID-19 we have witnessed in the first quarter of 2020, uh, where the uh, economic growth was only 2.97%. From the demand side, we see the, 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 the reduction of growth in all parts of the, uh, the expenditure. On the supply side, also most, almost all sectors show the much lower growth um particularly uh, uh the slowing down uh um significant in transportation accommodation and food beverages manufacturing and trade uh some studies by uh research institutions and consultants also provided uh, the um a projection that the economy the sectors in in the economy will uh hardly hit we see that the earnings of the tourism industry will decline very sharply and followed by uh, the uh, trade sectors and the manufacturing. The hit is come, has, uh, comes from not only the, uh, the, the supply side, but also the, the demand side. How the effect of the slowdown of the uh, economic activity um, resulted by uh, COVID-19 containment are uh, two jobs. 
Uh, as pa Chris mentioned, we only have labor force survey twice a year and has not come out yet after the COVID-19 hit Indonesia. But some early survey like the, the World Bank uh, high frequency household monitoring uh, survey um, can make a suggestion that um, many Indonesian have already affected by uh, COVID-19. This survey is, uh, is going to uh, conduct it for four times at least, four rounds at least. The first round is in May. So this is the result of the May uh, survey suggesting that one third of uh, uh, who works in the manufacturing, construction and transport stop working. And the share of people who stop working are at the same across the welfare distribution. And those in Java, especially in Jakarta and the urban areas, people with senior secondary education and lower are likely to stop working. Uh, no, no, not much different between female and male breadwinners. So this early survey suggested that, yes, we are having an issue of uh, jobs in Indonesia. Then given that uh, a policy response, ever since uh, the early the, the beginning of this year, the government have has responded to uh, the, 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 the COVID-19. And uh, given the dynamics of uh, the, the the evolution of the the, the, the problems, uh, as you probably some of you probably uh, already uh, also monitor that the first was addressing the the disruption of the supply chain in February and the reduction in tourism uh, visits in Indonesia, but then as COVID nineteen um, as uh, a uh, contagion spread across the, the nation, particularly the, the urban areas and the Jakarta greater area at the beginning, this response has been uh, changed or um, revised or updated to uh, meet the, 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 the evolving situation. So uh, currently what, what the government has done is first upsizing the social assistance. We in Indonesia have already established uh, the uh, social assistance program. So uh, based on that uh, already existing system, the, the government upsized the size and the coverage. The second one is on fiscal incentive to address the, the, the formal workers who are still working, the those with income of 200 million rupiah a year is uh, tax-free and not uh, paying taxes. Um, and these taxes are usually paid uh, by the, 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 the employers monthly. So uh, monthly, they, the, the workers uh, are um, receiving the benefit. And the third is the Prakerja program. Uh, the government also have the cash for works, uh, basically providing jobs to those uh, who are not working and uh, get uh, paid for the work. And the last one is the help, uh, the uh, help for the companies, including the micro, uh, small, and medium enterprises. 
Uh, as you probably know that the, the Indonesian government uh, have the PKH, the uh, Family Hope Programs, and the uh, non-cash food assistance, the Kartu Sembako, um, and also Dana Desa. The government has been uh, optimizing on these um, um, uh, instruments, again, addressing uh, the most vulnerable uh, income groups in Indonesia. On top of what the government, the central government doing, the local government also provided or addressing the social uh, welfare uh, as the uh, first uh, instrument or for, foremost in, instrument. For example, the local, uh, the, the West Java government where I live uh, covers more than 10 million uh, of the 14 million family in West Java through the additional support uh, to the uh, the central to the central government budget. So in total, they cover um, sixty to seventy percent of the uh, population. These are the seven programs uh, of social assistance that the government of Indonesia is having. The first, the left, uh, the left hand side, the blue one is the PKH, the Family Hope Program. Uh, the 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 upside is on the uh, value of the assistance. Um, this cover the bottom twenty percent of Indonesians, the bottom uh, um, income group uh, of Indonesia, and then we have the non cash transfer. Uh, we call it kartu sembako. This is non cash, so every uh, every recipient has its uh, account uh, in the financial sectors. The size is the amount is upsized uh, from one hundred fifty thousand to two hundred uh, two hundred thousand, and the beneficiary is also upsized from fifteen point four million to twenty million. And uh, the purple one is on the electricity bill discount. So basically, the government pay the bill of the. Uh, um, the uh, the electricity uh, customer of four hundred fifty uh, for the the, the 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 smallest the smallest um, consumers in the electricity consumption uh, it's around twenty four million household uh, the government pay their bill for for until the end of December. Yeah, so it, it, the program has been expanded. It's no longer April to September, but until the end of the, the year. And the, the government also uh, subsidized the 900 uh, VA customers, around 7.2 million household. And it's also expanded into December. And the government is also planning to add more of the recipients of the 900 VA um in the next few months and the additional program is the uh, jabodetabek the jakarta greater area uh, assistance because jakarta uh, greater area is the first hit uh, area uh, of the covid-19 as and the hardest hit so particular assistance is provided uh, for the uh, uh, people in the uh, Jakarta greater area. 
Similarly to urban areas in uh, outside the Jakarta uh, greater area also provided uh, with cash uh, additional cash uh, social assistance this is cash basically and the uh, amount uh, or the uh, support will be provided until December so with uh, the other one is uh, the uh, village fund is converted into social assistance this supposedly cover all the vulnerable group in the villages who is not covered by program family hope or kartu sembako or additional cash assistance uh, that already provided by the government so with this all scheme we hope to cover the lowest 50% of the income group and uh, we also have another uh, scheme which is called prakerja which i will talk uh, more a bit later to those who are not currently in a formal education has no work or they are from the msme this program is a adjusted program that should be should also have been implemented this year but because of the covid the mechanism and the uh, way of uh, deliverables is uh, adjusted a little bit and this is the distribution of the social assistance beneficiaries um, the, the largest beneficiaries are the farmers uh, and um, if we see uh, the sectors and the, the income group Uh, among the income group, uh, I, the, the farmers are the, the the largest recipient, followed by uh, the services sectors, people who work in the services sectors, um, uh, and the manu- and the manufacturing. And how the disbursement of the social assistance so far among the budget allocated, like the nine hundred and ninety five trillion, two hundred. Three trillion is allocated to social assistance. So far, it's already disbursed like 30%, 38% of uh, the uh, budget allocated. The, the the existing program are usually uh, more smooth in uh, in uh, disbursement, while the new or the top up is uh, less uh, less uh, smooth than the already uh, established program. Uh, this is what I talk about the uh, formal workers um, uh, take home pay. They got higher take home pay because the government paid their uh, taxes. The claims are so far uh, around 1.1 trillion rupiah uh, with beneficiary of 108. And the uh, uh, sectors who claim the largest is the trade sectors, uh, the, the most affected uh, sectors uh, in, in the economy followed by the manufacturing and construction. And the third is the Prakerja program. The early design is to uh, to upgrade the skill of the workers with the beneficiary of 2 million. Bef- because of the, the because of the COVID-19, the number of beneficiary increased, the budget allocated is increased, and the design is not only for skill improvement, but also to maintain the purchasing power of uh, workers who have been laid off, Um, uh, or being um, working at home, for example, and um, the 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 benefit benefit is also uh, adjusted. While in the 
original program, the, the the training can be online, offline, and hybrid. With the value of the training is from three to seven million. With the uh, incentive is only like five hundred a month, one month. It's only one time, and incentive to do to conduct or to uh, to uh, give pro, uh, feedback to the survey. Uh, because of the COVID-19, the training uh, is, has been um, uh, adjusted uh, with the value of the training, uh, only one million. It's only um, uh, online and the benefit uh, to the recipient is uh, 600,000 a month for four months. And the first three batches of the uh, Prakerja has been um, highly subscribed. 11.6 million applied uh, at the Prakerja website with the simple, uh, um, um, what is it, selection process. Um, only verify, you only have to provide the electronic uh, ID and the phone number and also the um, only those uh, two actually. And the verification is by checking the ID the phone number and also face recognition and the, whether the email is correct or not. And the beneficiary, of course, because of the uh, oversubscription, subscri the beneficiary is only uh, like 680. 58% of them are the layoff workers. 35% uh, is job seekers, but also some uh, inclusion error where 6% are employee actually. And 1% is from uh, micro uh, uh, business. The Among these recipients, some of them are the whitelist uh, of the Ministry of um, Manpower and the um, employee um, social security uh, members. This is the distribution of the recipient where, where, where we can see that almost all, I think all the, the provinces uh, have the participants uh, of uh, Prakerja program, where the uh, the highest uh, participants come from the most affected uh, region of the COVID-19, which is Jakarta, West Java, um, uh, and then uh, East Java, uh, Central Java, and Banten. And from the uh, incentive, it's already claimed uh, for uh, 641 billions. And the interesting thing is that it's not only through the conventional uh, financial sectors like the bank, but mainly uh, spend or uh, disperse through the um, e-wallet, yeah, like the OFO, for even the largest is through OFO, followed by GoPay and uh, Ling, Ling Aja. The use of the uh, incentives by the recipients is to purchase fuel, electric to pay electricity, um, uh, purchase mobile phone credit, uh, spending on the mini market, or withdrawn. Uh, Thirty percent of the participants has zero balance in their account. Sixty percent has less than fifty percent, uh, fifty thousand. The training package chosen by the participants, the highest is the marketing skills and IT, finance, uh, foreign language, uh, lifestyle, management, office, uh, social behavior, food and beverages. The uh, Prakerja uh, program has been uh, in public attention, highly critical uh, size, uh, so that uh, the government uh, 
the prakerja committee uh, particularly had met their evalu- evaluation so uh, the program has been uh, held, uh, have been stopped temporarily and because uh, the, re- the the review has to be made and the uh, adjustment has to be made to the decree uh, because in indonesia everything has to have to have a decree if you have to change uh, one element in the decree you have to change the decree itself so it will take time uh, to um, to restart uh, a program one important clause in the um, amendment of the decree is that the incentive money must be returned if the participant doesn't fit the criteria and the implementation of the offline training uh, will is planned to start in August and given the the budget allocated of 20 trillion the quota for the training should be increased to uh, 500 a batch 500,000 a batch to uh, allow the 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 budget allocated uh, be uh, absorbed Uh, cash for work basically providing jobs to uh, people uh, through the ministry of public works uh, agriculture uh, forestry uh, fishery and also local governments many got local governments in indonesia provide this cash for works and even dana desa uh, will also be converted to cash for works apart from uh, those uh, uh, instruments the government also provide private sectors particularly msmes uh, with support the first one is the subsidized credit interest payment for msmes um the uh, program is basically um uh, for all the credits in the the, the financial institution the, the interest will be paid by the government Uh, the government uh, require uh, those uh, credit below 500 million rupiah to be doesn't have to be restructured to get the facility but the credit uh, over 500 million needs to be restructured and the collectability uh, uh, quality is um, is um, made and the government also provide low cost working capitals for msmes this is through the placement of government uh, funding to the financial sectors particularly the banking sectors uh, and then the government also provide the uh, the uh, insurance um, uh, the 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 credit guarantee uh, to the um, to the uh, loans that provided by the uh, the financial sectors particularly the banking sectors uh, so that the uh, the take up is more because uh, the covid-19 um pose higher risk to the banking sectors to lend uh, capitals to anyone and then loan restructured for msme uh, based on the ojk uh, data we already uh, have 5 million msmes uh, the loans has been restructured value of uh, the uh, loans of uh, 300 more than 300 trillion and also uh, if you see the from the news that you also uh, uh, hear that the president wants to give a cash transfer to productive use uh and also the uh, credit for the uh, household um household uh, uh, businesses and the last one is the tax refunds for the msmes 
Uh, this is only for those reg registered in the tax office, basically. I think uh, the government is taking the, the stand where the uh, a responsive uh, and effective policy requires regular, regular monitoring. We at the Ministry of Finance also uh, have a MONEF team to, um, to monitor and evaluate the implementation of the, um, uh, the, 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 the COVID-19, um, the fund allocated to COVID-19 uh, handling and the economic recovery uh, in general. Uh, basically, the objective is to assess whether the programs meet the, meet the objective and the implementation is as planned. Uh, part of the task is the, the, the bottlenecking and making adjustment to policy for better target, targeting and impactful. And you'll also probably uh, hear that the, the president also established a team of um, this economic recovery uh, program. My thanks to Titik for that really fantastic overview of Indonesia's response. Well, listeners, let's take a quick break there. But when we come back, we're going to be hearing one more presentation on this topic. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Around the world, democracies are in crisis. Leaders have become followers. Populists offer glib solutions to complex problems, and people search for answers. Block out the noise. Each week on Democracy Sausage, we go deeper to bring you insights from leading scholars, journalists and commentators to help you make sense of the world. I'm Mark Kenny from the Australian National University. Join me at the Democracy Sausage Hot Plate every Monday and Thursday. Now, last but not least in our discussion on Indonesia, we're going to hear from Joanna Octavia. She's a PhD scholar at the Warwick Institute for Employment Research at the University of Warwick, and she's going to talk about Indonesia's informal sector. She'll discuss how government, civil society and the private sector have responded to the pandemic in relation to the sector and what the way forward might look like. Um, just to set the scene, uh, when the COVID-19 broke out, uh, informal sector in Indonesia is a mix between traditional forms of work and new forms of work. Uh, in the recent years, with the help of technology, as well as the penetration of smartphones and internet connection, uh, new ways of working have emerged. Um, this does not only transform old industries, for example, uh, objects, uh, motorcycle taxis have existed in Indonesia for many, many years. Uh, but it was only recently through the use of a smartphone app such as Gojek that consumers and um, drivers can be connected seamlessly. But it has also, um, technology has also created new new types of work that didn't exist before. Uh, for example, a kudo agent uh, uh, could facilitate online transactions for customers who do not yet have smartphones um, and take commissions based on the sales that they generate uh, using this platform. Uh, to accommodate these uh, the informal workers, uh, it is also worth noting that in 2015, the uh, both agencies for uh, workers' welfare and health have also launched the non-employee scheme, uh, 
which protects against um, against sickness, uh, death, and as well as old age, uh, which informal workers can pay for uh, independently. However, uh, it's also worth noting that this coverage does not uh, cover the loss of income, uh, which many informal workers are experiencing. Uh, as a result of the pandemic. As of the COVID-19 outbreak, the informal workers are not yet recognized by the law and manpower. The law and manpower recognizes workers as those who possess formal working relationship with a particular employer. Uh, the law unfortunately, unfortunately also does not um, recognize own account workers or self-employed workers. Um, as such, informal workers um, are unregulated their work is unregistered uh, and they are also unprotected by, the, by a dedicated social safety net during this crisis. So for informal, circle, uh, sec, uh, for informal workers who continue to work, um, first they do have a, a difficulty in accessing markets. Uh, many informal workers, especially in the urban spaces, uh, they, they work in public space. So I think the image of street vendors come to mind. And with the closure of certain public places, they are unable to access places where they normally would generate their income from. Uh, with mobility restrictions, there uh, there were also increasing costs uh, related to transport. Um, they have to depend on their own transportation uh, to get to work. Um, at the start of the pandemic uh, outbreak response, um, there wasn't a movement to provide uh, PPEs for free yet, for example, like masks or other protective equipment. So most of these costs had to be borne by the workers themselves. Uh, there was also a drop in demand. Uh, it, it is, I, I think it's worth noting that um, informal sector is often an extension of the formal sector. Uh, for example, when I was when I was working in Jakarta, I, I remember uh, sometimes I and my colleagues and other people in the office building would buy food from the street vendors hanging out outside of the office building, and I think that that is one way, uh, you know, one way where there is a relationship, close relationship between formal sector operations and informal sector operations. Um, there's also um, stories being shared by transport workers that. Uh, when schools were closed and children were not going to school, they also lose that bit of uh, income uh, or langanan that they, they normally have uh, because they used to ferry uh, students to school. Um, there's also a drop in trade and service sectors with, uh, I think, economic, uh, economic difficulties uh, affecting uh, everyone, not just informal sector workers. There is a, there is a, change in consumption behaviors because of that. Um, and as a result, there is a, there is a, a drop in uh, the demand for their services and products as well. Um, with uh, Given that COVID-19 is a health crisis as well, uh, there is understandably a drop in demand for services such as massage or cleaning services. Um, this also affects the income that uh, certain types of informal workers uh, are used to generating. Uh, finally, uh, it is uh, worth noting that the informal sector is a dependent ecosystem within itself. Often the consumer of informal uh, trade and services are the informal workers themselves. And the drop in their, uh, in their income could affect uh, their consumption of other services within the ecosystem. As for informal sector uh, workers who are not working, uh, we are hearing stories of termination of employment. Uh, there are a number of stories of this happening, especially for domestic workers who 
who are being told not to come back to work. Um, given that they have no formal working arrangements with their employers, there is no obligation for employers to give fire notice nor severance pay. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, and this is affecting uh, quite a number of workers across sectors. Uh, finally, just before the uh, migration ban was implemented, we, we did see reports of uh, informal workers who are losing jobs or who are not uh, generating enough income to live in cities heading back to their hometown. As for shared impact, these are uh, felt by informal workers, uh, sector workers across uh, sectors and not just self-employed or uh, wage-employed workers. Uh, they do face uh, economic vulnerability. Uh, uh, a majority of them do uh, face mounting debt. Uh, I think we do have a credit culture in Indonesia where um, things are often bought on credit, not just um, not just assets such as automobile products, but also things like smartphones, for example. Um, there are reports that informal workers also face difficulties in paying school fees for their children. Um, they also face uh, food insecurity. Uh, there is there is a quote that you know goes around whenever we talk about informal sector. And the COVID impact on them is that uh, hunger may kill us before coronavirus does. And this ties into the second point, which is that there's often an economic and health trade-off in which um, there is a trade-off between doing social distancing versus the need to actually go out and work and generate income because many informal workers do live on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Overcrowded living conditions also create a health risk uh, for many of them. Uh, especially those who cannot do social distancing and are exposed to um, unfavorable uh, health risks as a result. Uh, Care work, this predominantly affects female informal workers. As schools were closed, uh, students were told to study from home, uh, and this creates a double burden for, uh, for workers who have to work outside of their homes and to care for their children inside of their homes. Um, there is rising expenses in education. Um, some schools require the use of smartphones in order for students to study effectively from home. Uh, for overall urban areas, for example, places like Jakarta, Bandung, Surabaya, we do see um, similar uh, informal sector jobs. And I'll be talking a bit about how the COVID-19 um, pandemic and the outbreak response has affected their livelihoods. Uh, for street vendors, we are uh, we are seeing the closure of spaces and activities affecting their income. So less people uh, less people outside means that they have less consumers. This results in a drop of demand, and which also leads to the loss of income. And it's reported that they are losing they were losing income by seventy to eighty percent. Although the caveat uh, for this is that vendors who sold basic commodities uh, fared better. Uh, one, one, I think one point that was raised up by, by, work, by, by an informal worker I spoke to was that uh, there is a growing number of philanthropy um, initiatives as well as uh, government initiatives uh, that provide these basic commodities to, to, um, to the uh, underprivileged population. And this uh, actually helps these vendors to fare uh, throughout the pandemic crisis. For uh, online motorcycle taxi drivers, um, it is reported that they are experiencing a loss of income by 80%. Uh, I think one uh, major aspect was the prohibition from transporting people during this pandemic. Although consumer behavioral change also 
contributed to the uh, decreased demand in their services. As, as, as mentioned before, this is also a health crisis. And as, as a result, people do tend to uh, cook at home or, and avoid just contact with the, uh, with the outside world. And this affects their income significantly. Um, and uh, I was speaking to a few drivers a few days ago, and uh, they were saying that even though, uh, even though the transition is underway, uh, they are still experiencing a drop in demand. And uh, they hypothesized that this could also be because uh, people are changing their behavior in terms of transport. Uh, they don't. They don't. They no longer take an object, but try to uh, walk or take public, uh, take private, private transport. As for the um, domestic workers, as mentioned earlier, uh, they can be found mostly in the urban areas, and uh, many of them were dismissed without early notice uh, or severance pay. Worth noting as well is that uh, earlier earlier this month, uh, Go Live, the Home Services Division of the Gojek app, also closed down. So this division constitutes of the massage as well as the uh, home cleaning services. Uh, it is unknown how many uh, people are directly affected, but uh, it is a significant uh, proportion of the uh, domestic workers in urban areas. As for other parts of Java and Bali, uh, Chris mentioned earlier, uh, Yogyakarta, um, one of the major income source is uh, tourism, as well as Bali. So for uh, these parts of the country, uh, they are suffering because tourism is one of the hardest hit sectors, understandably so due to travel as well as mobility restrictions. It is reported that an estimated of 300,000 informal workers are affected. Um, and we are hearing that they are sh- they are shifting to alternative income, for example, uh, trade, uh, trying to sell products and services online, or even farming. Uh, as for home workers, uh, they, they are spread across various industries. They are mostly women and largely invisible workforce. Uh, they and they also possess, uh, according to surveys, a, a lower level of education compared to other informal workers. According to one survey, over fifty percent of home workers no longer receive any orders uh, due to a drop of demand in in products. Um, many of these are handicrafts or textiles. Uh, fishermen uh, in 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 places such as Sulawesi or Eastern Indonesian islands, um, we are hearing reports that. Uh, prices have fallen by 50 to 75 percent for uh, seafood products. And I think this is also an example of how informal sector is an extension of the formal sector as processing businesses slow down and other countries are on lockdown. Um, export companies and international trade uh, understandably decline and this affects um, how the fishers, uh, the fishermen uh, was unable to sell sell their, their catch, even though their catch remains uh, pretty consistent. Uh, we're also seeing hospitality businesses, uh, including those domestic ones, the domestic ones suffer as um, they are, you know, uh, the demand has dropped and also they were they were closed during the past baby, uh, past baby period. Um, and also uh, there are disruption in supply chain due to mobility uh, restrictions. Uh, other groups that are affected uh, are farmers in eastern Indonesian islands. So actually 55% of the workforce in East Nusa Tenggara work in agriculture. Um, it, it has been overall a pretty pretty uh, bad year for uh, the farmers. 
production has fallen due to late and constant rainfall, but at the same time, demand for their products have also fallen due to mobility restrictions. It was difficult for them to um, uh, to transport these uh, these producers to the cities uh, because of the uh, social the large scale social restrictions. Uh, market prices have also fallen by fifty percent. Uh, so this this uh, this affects their earnings as a whole. Uh, I I won't go too much in the, into detail for the policy responses because I think Butitik had uh, as explained um, very comprehensively earlier and very well. I uh, just wanted to note that uh, the government has prepared a range of policy responses and uh, uh, and they are they are very they have been very helpful for informal workers. Uh, however, it is also worth noting that uh, informal workers are often mixed with the other beneficiaries um, in, in the, these programs. And as such, not all informal workers uh, manage to benefit uh, from these policies. According to informal workers, uh, especially my research deals mostly with uh, online transport workers or online motorcycle taxi drivers. They found that the debt restructuring, especially for automotive, was particularly helpful uh, because a lot of them bought their motorcycles on credit and was actually hoping to pay it off as they get income from driving for platforms. Unfortunately, the pandemic uh, creates a difficulty for them to uh, reach that goal. However, the um, the initiative from the government and OJK to restructure the loans uh, w- was very welcomed by these workers. Um, the government also introduced the cash for work program, which Mutipte explained earlier. Uh, this this has been, uh, I think, very welcome as well for informal workers who had to go back to their hometowns um, after not being able to earn any income in, in the urban areas. Uh, civil society and NGO have played a very significant role in providing support for informal workers. Um, both in terms of economic support as well as uh, health support. Um, Here on the right-hand side, I included a screenshot from Kitabisa, which is a crowdfunding uh, website, uh, kitabisa.com, in which uh, many organizations as well as civil society individuals uh, were crowdfunding to fundraise um, for for informal workers. Uh, This example here is an initiative by... uh, uh, the Urban Poor Network in Jakarta, uh, in which they, they fundraised uh, cash assistance uh, for informal workers and uh, the urban poor in their network. Uh, food aid uh, is also uh, uh, is also uh, provided by civil society NGO. Uh, I think one 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 that stood out uh, for me was an organization called ACT Act, uh, who fundraised. Uh, fundraise to distribute food for informal workers. They also partner with uh, a number of Wartuk across the different cities to distribute free food for informal workers in and in, in those Wartuk's neighborhoods. Um, there's also groups that help with advocacy for access to government schemes, uh, for example, a coalition um, that includes um, Rujak, for example, um, gathering input from the workers and and um, and relaying these concerns to the government. We also see a number of different organizations um, distributing PPEs as well as sanitizers for free to informal workers, given that they are highly mobile and at, at, uh, oftentimes they are at the front line. Uh, private sector also help with fundraising on donations. Um, here we see that Tokopedia, Ovo and Grab, they uh, jointly fundraised 2.5 
a billion rupiah uh, by using their app uh, to encourage app users to donate um, electronically. Uh, we also see the emergence of new businesses, which uh, provides uh, work opportunities for uh, informal workers who are no longer able to generate income from their original source of income. Um, there's also improvements in existing businesses to, uh, uh, to encourage uh, uh, consumption. For example, in tourism, we're seeing a lot of uh, hotels and hospitality businesses uh, setting up less partitions, providing PPEs for their workers. And uh, as consumption in these areas increase, it will also trickle down to informal workers who depend on these industries for their livelihood. Um, online channels, we are also seeing a, a farm and sea to table, just uh, businesses, um, uh, businesses connecting, uh, connecting farmers and fishermen uh, to the markets by the use of online platforms. We also see pivoting of production um, a lot of the uh, designers and textile producers um, started producing PPEs, uh, mask, uh, cloth masks, for example, instead of um, the original like clothes and fashion items that they normally produce. Uh, mutual aid, uh, this is, uh, it's notable that informal workers are also supporting each other. Uh, earlier during the COVID uh, outbreak response, uh, we are seeing a lot of criticisms because uh, it, it seemed that Civil society were supporting mostly uh, OJEC drivers because they are very mobile, very, they are very visible. And, um, the, and it was very encouraging to see even the drivers were, uh, were sharing uh, you know, the food aid that they received, for example, to other informal workers around them. Uh, here on the right-hand side is also a hashtag Butu driver, which um, is being used by a number of uh, uh, of OJEC drivers who are more digital savvy and were able to um, support other informal businesses by, um, by, by, uh, by, by sort of bypassing the, the online platforms and selling these uh, and promoting these businesses through, the, uh, through their use of the social media. Uh, however, uh, implications as mentioned earlier, not all workers benefited from these policies. Uh, suppose it's worth noting that not all workers are categorized as poor, even though uh, their income, some of them, their income tended to hover above the poverty line before the pandemic. And as such, um, the loss of income during this time has the potential to make them fall into poverty. I think Prakarja, uh, a comment about that is uh, during the during this time, most of the trainings were delivered online, and as such, only informal workers who are digital savvy or have access to smartphones are able to benefit uh, from from this policy. There's also an issue of the old database of beneficiaries as well as inaccurate information. For example, um, their ID is not synchronized with their current address. Uh, a lot of the informal workers are migrant workers. They don't. They don't uh, own a house uh, in, in Jakarta or other urban areas. And as such, uh, they were experiencing difficulty in receiving uh, the social assistance. Um, there's also an issue of uh, debt restructuring and versus debt cancellation. The informal workers that I spoke to uh, express a preference for cancellation, given that they do not know how long this pandemic will last and whether or not uh, they will have uh, the income to actually pay off the debt uh, they, they've generated uh, prior to the pandemic outbreak, even even um, 
even after the social restrictions have been lifted. There is also um, an express preference for cash-based support assistance to restart, given that many workers are uh, thinking of um, alternative sources of income rather than the, the ones that they are currently doing. Uh, so civil society and NGO, it was commented uh, by workers that uh, even though these efforts are very welcome, there's also still uneven distribution. The suggestion here is that it requires a bottom-up approach in which workers can sort of self-declare okay. uh, that they, they are uh, they, they should be eligible for social assistance. Uh, for private sector, uh, there is also a continued need for assistance and training for low, middle, low income group. Earlier, we mentioned about the use of online channels that connects farm to table and sea to table, um, connecting the producers directly with consumers. However, it, it should also be noted that this uh, significantly is more beneficial for workers who have access to smartphones or are more digital savvy. And I think this this has the the uh, potential to create further inequality between the digital haves and the digital have-nots. Uh, for future direction, uh, there are two uh, recommendations, uh, for one for the short term, the other for long term. Uh, given that we don't know how long the, the pandemic will last and how this will continue to affect the livelihoods of informal workers, um, the recommendation here is to, uh, to collect uh, accurate data of informal workers uh, within a region and use the information to design targeted support and redeployment into industries that are actually hiring. I think a big problem uh, with targeted support uh, as well as uh, informal workers being uh, lumped together with other beneficiaries of social assistance is that we don't we don't actually know who these workers are exactly and as such we are unable to design a targeted support for them. And I think this is one area that can improve on then a one one quick way to evaluate is by piloting uh, a database within a region and finally for long term uh, the labor legislation uh, needs to be revised to recognize informal workers and to consider uh, the diversity of the sector especially uh, as well as the new forms of work including platform work uh, lastly also we need the same labor and social protection standards to be extended to all workers regardless of employment status well, thanks so much again to Chris Titic and Joanna for sharing their thoughts with us today. And don't forget, you can watch the whole presentation on our YouTube channel. That's Crawford School of Public Policy on YouTube. It's well worth a watch. Listeners, do you have any thoughts, suggestions or questions about this episode? Please reach out to us. We're always really keen to hear from you on Twitter as Apps Policy Forum. That's A-P-P-S Policy Forum. Or send us an email, podcast at policyforum.net. But of course, the best way to reach us is on Facebook. We're Policy Forum Pod there, and we've got heaps of great discussions and exclusive access to Ask Policy Forum in store for you if you dare to join. Ask Policy Forum, of course, is the series where you get to ask the questions. So if you want to get them in for our upcoming fourth installment, which I'm really looking forward to, then don't forget to join the pod group on Facebook. We look forward to welcoming you there. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future Policy Forum pod episodes, then we highly recommend that you hit subscribe on whatever pod platform you're listening to us on. We're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite pods from. And maybe you want to leave us a review. We're always keen to hear what you loved about the pod. 
And if you want to learn more about policymaking in Indonesia, there really isn't a better place to study than Crawford School. You can study the Master of Public Policy with us and you'll learn from some of the leading experts in their field. Take a look at crawford.anu.edu.au forward slash study. We'll be back with another episode of Policy Forum Pod next week. But until then, cheerio for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 